Hello and welcome to the Celtic Women's Football Show. I'm your host, Claire Wilde, as you're probably used to hearing by now if you listen on a regular basis. And also if you listen on a regular basis, you'll be familiar with the dulcet tones of Lorenzo Pacitti, who has joined me. Hi, Lorenzo. Hello. Good evening. Hello. Good evening. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I am good. It's a busy day today, but it's always nice to record these. Yeah. Even if it's... Not in the best circumstances. Yeah, maybe in a slightly more, I was getting, not somber, that's too strong. Like, I'm not quite sure what the mood is. It's a bit like, okay. No, I've, I've decided to, um, for better or worse, trigger warning here, I've decided not to be somber, I've decided to be frustrated tonight. That's the Okay, theme. I think having watched some of the game back again this afternoon, I would probably share your frustrations. Um, but we will get to that. Um, how's your week been? So far, we're only on Tuesday as we record this. Good, I don't want to jinx the rest of the week, but it's been <laughs> good so far, yeah. Um, yeah, mine too. Uh, just telling everyone that I went to the gym this morning for the first time in about three months, so that's my big achievement for the day, ticked off. It's absolutely, absolutely more than enough for a day's work. Yeah. Um, before we get into the game, we usually kick off with some news and things like that. There's not a huge amount, especially not a huge amount Celtic related to kind of talk about. Um, but I did want to mention the fact that Kelly was presented on Sunday with a sort of commemorative shirt with a big number 10 on it for her 10 years, 10 seasons at Celtic Football Club, Captain Kelly Clark, and sort of didn't want that to go without us mentioning it because it's an extraordinary achievement to have stuck with this club through thick and thin. And I think having spoken to her and others and knowing what the state of Scottish football was, there has been quite a lot of thin. <laughs> yeah, and with the very specific case, you know, that we all know of, the Celtic fans of Kelly Clark and semi-professional football at becoming professional, there's been so many times where Kelly Clark could have called it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where I could have called that day and thought, this is not worth the hassle. Mm -hmm. Exactly, because she's got other work that she does. She's one of the only, you know, members of the squad now who kind of has <clears throat> a professional career outside of football because of the timing of her career in football and being at Celtic and everything. But, you know, she is one of those people who I have said it before and I'll say it again. I literally don't know how she packs it all in. Um, and the fact that she's still kind of we still hugely value her in that leadership role, I think. Yeah, I mean, you can you can see it in the pitch for whatever, however anyone's playing, whatever the form is of the team, Kelly Clark is as dependable as it gets as a leader and as a, a focal point and a captain. And mm -hmm. she's only ever represented Celtic impeccably and to have done that for 10 years. I mean, whatever happens in women's football, however fast a star rises, however fast... You know, the league grows. Kelly Clark will be a cornerstone in the foundation and the Hall of Fame of Celtic women. Absolutely. <clears throat> and if uh, it was quite adorable because when it, I think the day that she had like her 10th anniversary, there was some stuff on social media that might still be kicking around. But, you know, showing a picture of her 10 years ago, little baby Kelly, it was very adorable. Um, but yeah, huge congratulations to her for that. Um, and we're very lucky to have her. And I know that we've questioned in the past, you know, with the professionalization, how does that fit in with what she's doing? But season upon season, she just seems to prove that what the way that she's managing it is making it very possible for her and for the club and for the squad. Yeah. And we talk about Kelly Clark, like, I think because of the reputation she's got, we talk about Claire Clark like she's some 45-year-old veteran 
who has just never <laughs> wanted to retire. And she's younger than me. I know. <laughs> but this happens all the time with footballers. Yeah. Like, you know, I I remember having like a, an epiphany moment when I was like, hang on, Scott Brown's younger than me. Like that can't be possible. <laughs> like it's not possible. Obviously it is true. And I forget how old I am sometimes, but they, because people like that who assume these leadership positions and who you look up to, you're like, they can't be younger than me. <laughs> No, even, you know, there's been players who have been at Celtic for three years, four years, but who have assumed leadership roles or roles of great importance. And the idea that they were only there for a handful of seasons seems insane. So for Kelly to have been here 10 as a focal point, as a starter, that's why it just feels like it could not, like it feels forever. 10 years, but it's forever. I know. And younger than you and you're young, Lorenzo. I know. I'm. Well, we're both peak footballing age. We're both peak captaincy age, I feel like. Um, so the big news is obviously the result in the league at the weekend against Glasgow City. Let's get into talking about it, shall we, Lorenzo? I think we expressed our feelings beforehand when we recorded last week, but were you getting more nervous or more confident as the game grew nearer? More confident, I would say. Um, oh good don't do that again (laughs) i kind of know that because i was looking at paddy power and they had they were offering odds and i i put a bet on celtic at um 11 to 8 well i thought it was quite interesting they had celtic and city the exact same odds okay five to two that is a very interesting i know it's like it's kind of icky way to look at it but it's an interesting way to see how the outside world who's not as tuned in as we are to specifically celtic and glasgow city are seeing this league yeah. seeing women's football i don't know it was, i was really interested by it but i guess it's specifically yeah in the the way that we you know you i think my basic understanding of how those odds are drawn up it is all very much based on like feeding information into a computer and a person like you said a person who's not necessarily completely connected so doesn't have an emotional connection with the sport or the teams that they're coming up with these odds for so they they are creating these numbers um, well, and I think the evenness of those odds is interesting because we'll go on to talk about this. But, you know, the last few times we've met Glasgow City, it's felt like there's not an awful lot in it. Yeah, I want to, I want to say it's probably it's probably laziness. You know, it's it's there's hmm. not a huge amount of money going to be coming in on that game. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a toss up. So they literally yeah. make the odds a toss up. Um, but I, the closer we got, the more I was kind of thinking about it. I just felt the momentum was on our side. Um, we put in such a good performance against Rangers and that performance in that kind of battling way where everyone does their jobs right and we don't need mm. to blow them away. Yeah. Um, and it felt like that's the kind of performance we would have needed to beat City, the way they've been playing us. Mm-hmm. But it didn't, the game itself didn't turn out anything like I expected either team to play. Um, and I think that threw all my kind of previous estimations of how it might go completely out the window. Yeah, um, completely agree. Um we were both at the game. Uh, I brought my mom with me. She had a lovely time. She wasn't as stressed as me, so she was very much enjoying herself. Um, but there was a big crowd again. It was good for a Sunday afternoon. It was a big one for a Sunday afternoon, I thought. You struggled to get through, again, hold-ups at the gate. They really need to start <laughs> getting We left so early. <laughs> I made a really bad decision. We, we got really close to the gate, and the wee car park guy started telling people to go a different way. Oh, and God. I thought... We're either about to get in another queue or the way out is going to be nuts. So let's go park in the scheme instead. And I probably should just have stuck at the car park because that's pretty much <laughs> there. Uh, but it is just like, I don't know. It's 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 something that's, 
that stadium, obviously, when we're at these games, it's nowhere near capacity. You know what I mean? It's nowhere yeah. near what they can hold. But when more than 500 people, 600 people come to these games, it's like a rock concert. It's like you can't get in. You can't yeah. <laughs> really got to plan ahead. The turnstile, there's always one, maybe two, with a little manual guy on it. Um, yeah. You know, we're going to end up moaning about this every week. Uh, you can encourage everyone, you just need to get down as early as you can. It's tough on a Sunday at the best of times to get to a game, particularly when they're four o'clock and stuff like that. Um, but the, the lack of public transport just means that everyone's going to be driving. We kind of, uh, although I have to say that a good friend of ours got the train to, was at the game and took, got the train and was very um, happy with the whole, said that it was like a 10, 15 minute walk from the train station and that they'd done it from Central and was smiling from ear to ear and was delighted to be there. So it's Maybe possible. Maybe in the rain on the way out. I wonder if they were still smiling. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we are going to complain about it every week. A, I hope that the slightly increased crowds continue, which means that they go, oh, we probably should put more stewards on and more people on the gate, et cetera, et cetera, which would make it a lot easier. And again, and then B, it's like, I'm not going to complain about more people coming. Well, big one for me is split the crowd. I think no matter what the numbers are, it's important to create derby atmosphere. Mm. This is not rugby. You know, yeah. we don't need, we don't want to be sitting next to each other. Not that there's any kind of tense yeah. atmosphere or aggressive atmosphere, but it's not the same. You want to be surrounded by Celtic fans when Celtic score. You don't want to be surrounded by, you know, we were, where we were, we were surrounded by City fans for the most part. I think and it was not- it was half and half ish. Just because when we'd got in, I was really I was having to do that thing because the Friday with the Rangers game. Um, it was segregated basically. I think they'd opened other turnstiles further up the stands that they don't normally, so that all the Rangers fans had gone in there. Um, and it ju- it just made it much easier because th- you do that thing when it's not officially kind of separating the home fans and the away fans, where you go in, especially if you're a bit early and there aren't loads of people there yet, and you're kind of looking around to go right. Where's a good spot? Like you're looking mm-hmm. for green things and orange things, <laughs> trying to make a decision based on that. And it, it's it like you said, it is tricky. And I I agree with you. Like you you want to be surrounded by people from supporting your own club. And it's so busy without obviously their stewards aren't there like they are at like the hydro to guide you to seats. You know that's not their job. Uh-huh. So it becomes where well, you poke your head out and it looks like there's no seats. Yeah, but unless you go right up to the back or you know, figure a wee couple of seats or something like that in a row. But it's just, for me, for the derbies, you have to segregate them. You just have to keep it um, keep it a, a competitive derby atmosphere, which means separating the crowds, being amongst Celtic fans when they score, stuff like that. I think that's really important. And we wouldn't have probably been as close to that Glasgow City Vuvuzela as well if that oh, happened. Oh, that blood, that needs banned. And I don't, <laughs> I don't care if this is Killjoy or whatever. That Glasgow City horn that they bring to every game needs band it is I, I thank god i didn't have a hangover on sunday i don't know if Andy did but I it know. is appalling. um we're doing everything we can here to stop talking about the actual game let's talk about it um well before we actually talk about the game we'll talk about the lineup let's read it out we had pam takanar uh clara reardon kelly clark caitlin hayes lou live chance uh ross hannah Jacinta and Natasha Flint. And then the, well, the subs that came on were Liv Ferguson, Tegan Bowie and Shen. Um, what did you make of that? I think that in the preview that I did with Chris, we were looking at the team and thinking about who 
we might want to play. And it was pretty much that team. I think I had Lisa Robertson in there, but obviously Livia Chance. I, afterwards, we came in and Chris went, Robbo's never starting. And I went, why does she never start anymore? Which we'll talk about. But um, obviously, and then he said, Liv Chance. And I said, yeah, okay, happy days. I'm happy with that. So was there anything in there that surprised you at all? Or is it as you thought it would be? Uh, I mean, you can't argue too much with the same team from a, a derby win the week before. Um, I think that's like a smart move to make. Lisa not starting for me is still kind of a bit baffling yeah. um, and just surprising. I just really think she's, she hasn't dropped off at all. Um, I think Lisa Robson's the kind of player you have to you have to rely on in these big games. Uh, she's, she's not even so yeah, not like not even coming on. It's weird. No, there's so. I mean, we're not a we're not a gossip podcast, but I'm just confused. <laughs> I'm just confused. I feel like there, there must be something we're missing because yeah, she's not dropped off in quality. She loves the big games. She's been there, done it. You know, it's it's a no brainer for me. Uh huh. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, I think that is the team that we we expected him and you're right not making any changes you know everyone's settled in their positions um let's talk about the actual football you said uh how did we start first five ten minutes how were you feeling as we kind of got into the game after kickoff um pretty much the same as I did the rest of the game I think I think it just it felt very even it felt Mm -hmm. very tense uh which these games often are yeah and that kind of sometimes has played into our hands uh, City didn't look anywhere near as good as I thought they would look I didn't think they were as fluid as I've seen them be um, I think we can appear to be kind of out of control of a game and be comfortable mm-hmm. so it didn't really shock me too much and I wasn't too um, worried about it but it wasn't as ding dong as I thought it might have been yeah um, yeah the same I, it, it, I think it was a pretty even game throughout Fran said that after the game when he was asked about it and if looking at the stats like I said about that evenness when we talked about the odds whenever you look at the the sort of headline stats from these games with Glasgow City they really are even I think we had the majority of the ball in this game I think it was 60-40 in terms of possession or something like that um, but you look at all the other XG stats, the number of shots, number of shots on target. It's, you know, there's not a lot in it, which kind of, I guess, is how it the, the result ended up it, the way it did in a way. Um, but that first half performance without a goal, what what was the kind of overriding sense for you of, obviously, Glasgow City play in a very different way to Rangers? Mm-hmm. I thought... I thought we were, to use a bad word, I thought we were garbage in the first half. There we go. I thought Glasgow City were garbage as well. I thought the game was really bad. I thought both teams didn't turn up. Uh Um, I don't know if it was overall by the occasion. Uh, I'd maybe given each other too much respect. Um, I just did not think it was anywhere near the level of football from either team that we've seen this season. Uh, I felt like both teams just, you would never have thought they were scoring the whole game Uh after the first half. Um, When it got to halftime, I was pleased because I think I'd started to come around to this idea that a draw is actually a good result. You know, mm-hmm. a draw still keeps us within turning them over once after the split. Yeah. Um, and that's not what I wanted to feel before the game. Was... And I just felt like there was edge missing from both teams. Mm. And I think Celtic really thrive on an opposition in a big derby game, giving it back to them. Yeah, You know, that kind of almost like a, a boxing match. And... Sometimes when we struggle against Rangers and City, it's because they've controlled the game at quite a slow pace and it's felt like they've passed it around us and passed us off the park a wee bit. 
But City couldn't string a pass together. But whenever we got the ball, it just felt like we were allergic to like <laughs> decision. Yeah. You know, it was really frustrating. It was a it was a frustrating watch. I think there were a few bright spots, if I may say. Like uh-huh. in terms of individual performances, I think again you could highlight like Lou was working her socks off right from the word go and I think that part of the weirdness of the first half well the whole game really was that you had a few players I was particularly talking about Celtic players here who were really really trying to make something happen and somehow it just wasn't coming off and they were really struggling you know Lou was surrounded by Glasgow City players obviously they know she's a threat they're going to try and neutralize her um she was fouled more than anyone in the game she was like explicitly fouled like three times which resulted in two free kicks which came to nothing um which you know again (sighs) the one that Natasha took where she just kicked it at the feet of the wall (laughs) What was that? <laughs> just missed opportunities again, and like that just doesn't scream decisiveness, you know, yeah. to to slice or hook a free kick. You know, these these aren't kind of the markings of a a confident player, a confident team. Like you say, I think Lou was at you know was playing like Lou has been in that first half, and she was carrying so much weight in the attack that I think she got knackered so fast in the second half. Uh-huh. She got no help really down that left side. Same with, I thought Jacinta was all over the park and she shouldn't have to come that deep to get the ball. Yes. That yeah. was really frustrating. That's it. It's, it is about that coming deep to get the ball and us not having that kind of fleetness of foot at the top of the park, isn't it? And having that kind of like, I don't know, I'm like making hand motions because I can't think of the right word. <laughs> it's a kind of, it's like, an, a, like a lightness and a cleverness that we've had in the past that it feels all a bit laboured now. And you've got players like Liv Chance, who's obviously really good, who again was doing a power of work, but it felt like rather than the work being to create something, it was to mitigate something. Mm. I, I, we've talked about the past few weeks. We miss, it's so obvious, but we miss Laracy. We miss that pace up front that directness that dragging defenders somewhere making defenders have a second thought not just kind of run that brick wall mm-hmm. uh, and we were playing into a brick wall for the most part I, yeah. I didn't even think Glasgow City defended particularly well I just thought that we were there was a few moments and it was somebody like Liv who would create you know a through ball that would cut through the centre backs and we had a couple chances that if they were if they were buried then the game's totally different and we talk about these you know one or two moments that burst the game open yeah but when they don't go in, because they can't always go in, they need to come regularly. And a good Celtic team and a good Celtic performance, we talk about how, well, we missed like three sitters, but we scored six. Yeah, um, exactly. We were not making those chances. And Natasha, I don't want us to be like a pure Natasha Funt bashing, because I think when you watch her, she's clearly got ability. She's clearly played at a high level. Um, her touch is great. Her control is great. But it's not how this team thrives. Yeah. For me, it just feels like she is coming so deep. She is so passive in a lot of the attack when she's not on the ball. When she's on the ball, she's great. Mm-hmm. But this Celtic team has thrived with the striker causing havoc, creating tons of openings for Amy Gallagher, for Jacinta, for Liv Chance, for Lou. Lou couldn't Lou could not get a one on two, let alone a one on one going because everyone just surrounded her mm-hmm. because there was no striker run off her. There was no through ball on. And it just felt like we had no real kind of incision in the attack because it was all so slow and none of those players apart from the focal point the striker are players who play slow football yeah they play measured football they play quick 
exciting, uh, risky football. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of any of that? It really felt like, I want to just stick on Natasha for a bit because we've obviously not seen her for a long period of time. We've seen her in these few games and the big games and we're still making up our minds and deciding, but she was a real frustration on Sunday and a lot of watching it back as well. She took a lot of, she looks like a striker who is really set on, like when she's not used to moving with the ball an awful lot through a line of defense, like she wants to get the ball and put it in the back of the net. So she was trying to do that from way further out than she should have been. And she wasn't getting it accurate. And with a goalkeeper, a defense at the top of the league, a top of the league defense and Lee Gibson in your way, that's just not going to work, is it? (laughs) Yeah, and that's that's another big thing. You know, I don't think City were great, but Lee Gibson was great. And our keeper was great as well. Uh, Pam was great and again like you see you don't get away with it against great keepers you know you don't get away with trying things from distance because Lee Gibson's been there done it she's an international goalkeeper she's not going to get caught out she's going to have those reactions yeah um, and yeah I think you're you're right it just it doesn't seem like a fit um, and it's frustrating because she's clearly a good footballer I just think Fran's system is such like the system that takes precedence over everything mm-hmm. and we've talked about that even in where we play uh, where Jacinta can actually be most effective even though she's such a high quality footballer we know from watching her that she's way more effective in certain roles same with uh, the emergence of Lou being given that freedom of that wing mm-hmm. you know instead of kind of dotted around the park yeah his system is, is what unleashes these players and it feels like we're putting an intentional spanner in the works yeah when we had Clarissa up top and she kind of had that deftness of touch and making making that really a sort of not even aggressive forward run just she knew where she needed to be you don't see Natasha making those runs and we've got all these players we've got Amy we've got um Lou we've got Jacinta we had Lucy we've potentially got Hannah who's going to be able to do it as well who are kind of right right there, like fizzing with all this energy. And it's like, we just need the thing on top that's going to create those, those goals. And and it's, it, we said we were going to be frustrated when we recorded this, right? <laughs> yeah, you've just, I mean, I think the frustrating part is, to be somewhat positive, is that City have kind of walked over us a couple of times in recent games. Yeah. Um, it's felt like they were just a better side. And it's been frustrating that we don't feel like we're, reaching their level and every mm-hmm. time it looks like we'll get there even when we turn them over in a cup final it's kind of like well in the league you're not getting there you're not hitting that consistency yeah I don't think City players off the park by any stretch I think it was a very even game um, if you're really going to make the argument I think it's a waste of time but I would probably say Celtic maybe edged the play and edged the chances uh, but I think it's redundant because it was so close um, but honestly I felt like I was I went on Twitter after the game and heard a few people talking and read a few tweets and people were talking about, you know, how Celtic played really well. And I, was, I just felt like I'm, I must be being negative. Um, and then I saw people saying that the game kind of changed when, you know, it's the opposite. We were saying when Flint went off, our attack was stunted a bit, which for me is it's the exact opposite. Um, and I don't know if we watch Celtic every week, it's maybe our standards have been raised so much by the football they play. But it's it's frustrating to be, I think, playing better football than Glasgow City. Yeah. And missing these chances to win this league. Yeah. Because it's there and it was in our hands. I know it's City were ahead of us, but we had the home game, we had the momentum, we were on fire. This league was in our hands to go into the split with. And it just feels like now we've 
we really need a turn from Rangers and we need to turn City over twice. And it's we just, have given ourselves a vague hill to climb. <laughs> yeah. So everything's going to need to get fixed, you know, mm. this week. Yeah. Um, did you think that there was a discussion at halftime that I had where I thought this might be the game that Fran does make subs at halftime, which we haven't seen him do, partly because I was like, Ange did it this weekend. We don't normally see him do it. Maybe this is the one because it just, like you said, it because it didn't feel like it was clicking. I thought he might do it. He didn't. <laughs> Which... No, I, I do think he has a, he definitely seems to have a trust in, um, the striker issue is one we need to fill, you know, and we've filled the gap with Amy for a while. For me, I think that was actually working fine. I know Amy's probably at her best out wide, um, but I just think she's such a natural goal scorer and she's such a good player. The solution for me right now is is Amy Gallagher as a striker. That's that's my solution. You've got, I mean, Lauren Davison is, I think, the highest goal scorer in the league at this point, and she's a winger. Like yep. she plays out wide. Uh, I, I think she's a great example of. Like, we've been watching Lauren for the past couple of years, and she just has so much. Like she has such an athletic advantage over a lot of players in the league. Mm. And it's experience now and nous and knowing when to break the lines and knowing when she's going to get on the ball. And that's what Amy Gallagher has. Mm. You know, that's what she's been so good for us with. Yeah. Um, and it's it's like an experience in this league. And that's what it just felt. It just felt like we were missing a, a star striker. Mm. And because that maybe is just how our team operates. We need, I know the goals come from, from all over in the Celtic team, but it's because we've, we're creating so many chances in the box. A lot of them are rebounds, set pieces, and we're not creating anything right now. Molly Plasman, come on down. <laughs> I know. I mean, <laughs> he was signed in January. You've got to imagine she's some way fit. But yeah, um, and yeah, she was coming back from injury, and it was an ACL. So I think there is a, there was a, she was still in a serious amount of rehabilitation sure. to do. Um, so the second half kicks off. Um, they might they make a reasonably early sub. They bring off Haley Lauder. Um, which again she had, a, she had a great first half <laughs> um, and then it, the, the next kind of notable thing that happened just before the goal happened was that Natasha went down Natasha Flint goes down I was watching it back and I was trying to work out what happened <laughs> um, but she kind of goes down and the physios come on and kind of check her out and then she walks off that other side of the pitch and it all it ended up being a sub and Liv Ferguson comes on but it was even having watched it back and looked at the highlights, I, I can't figure it out. What happened? Well, I mean, she's not played too much football, so maybe you know it's one of these innocuous things. But the the main takeaway from that was how bloody long it took to make that sub. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, so you're going. We need we need to get our other player on the park because she just walked off. So you're waiting for Liv Ferguson to come on, come on, and that was at like 63 minutes. And at 64 minutes, they get their goal. Um, do you want to talk us through it and how it happened? Yeah, the the, the Celtic defence is really passive, uh, as it kind of was quite a lot of the game, which again is not how we associate, you know, a Caitlin Hayes, Clara Reardon, Kelly Clark defence. Even Hannah very... Hannah Kerner was right there. And we've yeah. looked, watched her make some incredible last minute clearances and come in for balls. I think Hannah's, well, the goal, there was a lot of passive defending. Um, there was a lot of like, jockeying without just taking the ball there was a lot of attempts at tackles and turning City back towards their own goal instead of taking the ball off them, fighting for the ball and it gave, uh, I think it was Fulton tons of time 
tons of time. We've got a flat-footed bank of four, two midfielders not pressing the ball. So Fulton has five, ten minutes to, to pick a ball out. And to be fair to her, I mean, Chinchia is so fast. Yeah. Chinchia, but, but you can see Chinchia calling for that ball straight away. She's already looking at her. She's making eyes. She knows what she wants. She wants to bind the defence. And Hannah has a chance there. She has like a moment to make a decision of stick or twist. And to be fair, I think a lot of the time with Celtic defence, they come out and attack the ball. They come out and press, particularly with Hannah's pace. But when the whole defence is so flat, mm. when she makes that decision, Fulton's got so much time, she's not rushed into a decision herself. So she picks out the pass exactly when Hannah steps up. So we're kind of just left with yeah. no recourse to defend it. <laughs> I've because... kind of got it like replaying back in my head and it's just like the ball kind of gliding past our defence <laughs> straight it, through to Priscilla. <laughs> it looks like a great ball and it is a, it is a great ball, but she has all the time in the world to pick it out and the fastest player on the pitch to give it to. You and know, someone it's, who it's just... just is, yeah. And it is a good finish and it gets straight past Pam. Pam really can't do anything about it by the time it gets to Chinchia, can she? No, Chinchia is such a good player. Um, I actually think Chinchia struggles against us quite often for somebody who's so, so mm. good. Um, when she has a good game, it's, you know, she's a man of the match. But I think sometimes we've, we've been pretty good at uh, nullifying her. Sometimes that's from using extra physicality at the back. Uh, but it's usually by man marking her and doubling up on her like they did with Lou, like they did with Amy Gallagher. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a couple of times we just let her run yeah. the other day. And Can it's he just... do that? Can't do that with her. Yeah. Um, let's just, obviously we're 1-0 down and we're thinking, you know, of, at 64 minutes there's time to pull this back. It kind of didn't look massively like that was going to happen. Um, unless you disagree with me. <laughs> um, no, I, I'd seen to um, my girlfriend at the game, I just thought you could have let this game go on for another half hour and we wouldn't have scored. Yeah. Did um, not feel like a goal was coming. Yeah, and it it was kind of the same again, wasn't it? And I don't know if there was anything more. Was there anything about the second half? Do you think we played differently? Do you think anyone player did anything different? Or do you think it was a bit more much of the same which was what resulted in that feeling that we weren't going to create anything I think um, Lev Ferguson ran a lot more and Lev Ferguson made some really cutting runs uh-huh. and um, players like Natasha Ross and um, blah, 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 blah. Natalie Ross sorry I was, I was, gonna, I was like who's he talking about <laughs> Natalie Ross and, uh, and Chance were able to actually pick passes out uh-huh. you know and and uh, Liv Ferguson was on the end of two really great chances and she's she's quick, you know, and she's determined. So it's really good goalkeeping um, to kind of put some pressure on her as well. But, you know, I don't necessarily think Ferguson's the most um, efficient striker. She's not who I expect to be uh-huh. on the end of these finishing them, but she's creating those chances with her movement and that is what we've been missing in the first half. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um was there anyone else specifically? We've talked about Natasha and the system and how what what her fit is in that system. Was there anyone else that you thought just to be negative for a minute? Because um, we, I think, we are overwhelmingly positive about most of the players and most of the team. But I think after a f- defeat like that, it's worth just taking a wee look and saying, was there anyone else who kind of didn't step up and didn't put in the performance that you might have expected, or was it just about things not clicking properly? I think there were some. Quite a few poor performances across the park. Um, players who were not the usual standard. And I think a lot of that is to do with it not clicking. Or maybe the magnitude of the occasion. But that's not something I associate with this team. I almost feel like that's a cop-out. Yeah. Um, 
and this team can handle big occasions. It's just about consistency and stepping up. And I thought defensively, even our best players, you know, if you look at the highlights, even the first half, we left free headers quite often. You know, uh-huh. they hit the post with a completely free header in a six-yard box. Um, a lot of tackles were not finished. There was a lot of kind of half-and-half half tackling. Uh, playing the ball from the back seemed like it was going nowhere. Um, you know, everyone was guilty of it for the most part. Uh-huh. Uh, pass, I mean, pass marks is even just a harsh term to say because I think, you know, <laughs> the majority put in a lot of commitment, a lot of effort. It just wasn't coming off. Yeah. But for me... You have Lou until she got absolutely knackered and you could really see it in the park. Um, Jacinta trying to really carry quite a lot on her own shoulders um, and just not finding gaps. And, and Amy Gallagher, I thought, was creating a lot mm-hmm. off, like, off her own back. And there was just so little um, joined up play, which is so disappointing because it's such a facet of this team, but it just felt like yeah. a real, real off game at the wrong time. Totally the wrong time. The only other subs... Um were made quite late. Natalie Ross came off for Shen um, and Lou came off for Tegan Bowie, who again demonstrated that she can do... I thought Tegan was great when she came on. She was doing Tegan things, moving really quickly down that left wing and putting balls in, but it almost felt like it was a bit too late by then. And you're right about Lou coming off looking knackered. Whenever We, we always end up sitting quite close to dugouts normally and you see her come off and Fran's really good at he like he always goes up to the players and like gives them a hug and is like well done and all that and she always just it's like she hasn't even got the energy to like engage with anyone she's just like I'm done <laughs> yeah I mean we've losing Lucy so early in the season to have a one-two punch of them potentially you know would have been incredible and I don't think we'll never even have enough benefit of hindsight to know what a fit uh, Lucy Ashworth Clifford yep. uh, would have done to this team because I think she's such a level above a lot of this league uh, yep. well she proved to be anyway so please please stay <laughs> please stay. I mean everyone please stay <laughs> um, so yeah those two come on um, I mean huge disappointment when the final whistle goes isn't it it's just like Having had the Rangers win, like we had put ourselves in a reasonably good position in that, you know, on papers, it's just them extending their lead to that, it, that to that much in this league is a massive deal, isn't it? It's huge, and they haven't looked like they're going to slip up against Rangers, um, you know. So that's who you expect to lay a glove on them. They've even when they've been playing kind of poorly the first half of the season, they were eking out results one nil, two nil, and. And just playing poorly, but getting three points. And now they're really putting it together, I think, since the January break. I think Leanne Ross form. is probably doing a tremendous job there. <laughs> Absolutely. They've been, in, they've been in such good form. Uh, and that's really what's turned the screw, I think. Um, and Celtic were the ones in the position to put the big dent in that. Mm-hmm. And I even, I, honestly, I even think a point would have been a great result for Celtic, knowing that we need to turn them over one out of two times. Yeah. You know, we need to just, we need to close that gap. Um, so I think they deserve a lot of credit, I think. And we've talked about this before with City that you can see in the makeup of them in, in games like this why they have been the dominant force for so long. They don't just kind of let things slip. Yeah, um, definitely. I think that oh, it's just it's just a difficult one to take so close to the split. And then we need Rangers to basically be shit against them and good against shit against us and good against them. Yeah, which isn't going to happen because they—that's not what they do. Um, so, 
we're going into the split. The other thing that was worth mentioning, because I was looking today, if you look at the SWPL Twitter, it's an exciting jostling for sixth place because the league is of 12 teams. The split happens after this weekend's game, top six and bottom six. And I think it's uh, Potic Thistle, Motherwell and Spartans who are all potentially going to be that sixth team. So out with watching the Hibs Celtic game that we're going to talk about in a second, that's the kind of, they've done like a little graphic of like all the permutations of what has to happen for each team for them to get through. Um, but it's kind of, it's, it is exciting that that stuff is happening in this league now, isn't it? Yeah, that just has to be more. It's it sounds so like marketing nonsense to say it's more content. You know, people people need something to ingest if they're going to follow the league. They need to be able to see stuff regularly, otherwise their interest drops. That's why you release a podcast weekly to keep people's interest. You know, and I think the uh, the league itself and the the socials over the past couple of years have been a bit lax in that uh-huh. and, and making sure people are engaged. Yeah, hopefully I'll get, but I think at this point, I think it is definitely a question of resource. I think um, Fiona McIntyre did an interview with the Herald this week and she said it's still only three of us. We're struggling along (laughs) and I think they're doing their very best. They've got someone coming in to work on partnerships and they're recruiting for that role. So that's interesting and exciting because that's a kind of commercial partnership person, um, which maybe will make some difference to the way that the league, you know, is promoted depending on who they who they end up partnering up with. Um, let's move on because we have to move on. You've got to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and move on to what's next, which is Hibs away um, uh, in Edinburgh. Last time we played them, it was the first match of the season, and we beat them nine nil. It feels like a million years ago. When I was looking at that, I was like, "Hang on," because yeah, I guess I mean yeah, that was the last time we played them. <laughs> That's weird. How does that work? That feels so. That feels too long ago. It does. It feels. I. Oh, well. I kind of looked through the list so many times. I was like, no, no, no. That was the home game against them. Was the first, and then yeah. the away game is the last. So it's just the way the cookie crumbles, I guess. Um, I don't think we're expecting a nine-nil victory this weekend, though. <laughs> well, though the goals aren't aren't flowing thick and fast uh, as much, but yeah, I don't think too much will change. To be honest, I think. If this is the team Fran trusts for the big games, it has to be the team he's kind of sticking with for the split. Uh-huh. Um, I would like to see a couple changes, um, but to be honest, I think I think we'll see the same team. Yeah. Uh, if you were to make a couple of changes, what would they be? I would bring Lisa Robertson in. I would shimmy around and put uh, Amy up front, yeah. and I would take Natasha off. That would be my main thing. Um, if, no, she's Chloe Craig's not fit, is she? I don't think so. No. I want Chloe Craig back in this football team. <laughs> I know, we um, miss you, Chloe. Yeah, and apart from that, I do I do think there's the abilities are still there. The players are still as good. Um, you know, the, it's kind of like a whole new league season and you've got to go out and, uh-huh. and beat City twice and the rest of it is the same yeah. as always, win every game. You know, it really is. It's win every game and, and see where it takes you and there's an excitement about that. They're ha- they have to embrace that. Yeah, and, and we have to take we have to take Hib seriously because despite that huge scoreline last time, that was they were kind of in a bit of a shambles at the start of the season. They hadn't really even got their squad together properly. So we're no. playing a team that you know they've kind of restored themselves back in the top half of the league firmly. They have got their shit together a wee bit to be crude about it, um, 
and they are traditionally a team who know how to play Celtic, have done it many times. Um, so they do still present a threat and we're going to need to psychologically really bounce back from Sunday and put in a performance. Yeah, I mean, there has to be there has to be like a statement performance. You never know what could happen. The other games, um, I mean, City aren't losing the Glasgow women, but uh, <laughs> you never really know what, what can happen. You've got to keep your kind of foot on the gas. Um, and frankly, if we drop points against Hibs, then forget the league. You know, we're suddenly dra- we've dragged ourselves into a fight for second place, and we put ourselves in third. Yeah, no, no and we're, don't. And we're gonna have an our season with no Champions League. No, not not gonna happen. Um, do you want to give me a prediction for the Hibs game? I think we beat Hibs two 0 I like it. I like it. That's why I said we beat City by, but hey-ho. I think there's much more chance of us doing it against Hibs. The game is a 10 past four kickoff, which the BDI'd among you will know means it's going to be on the telly because those 10 past four kickoffs usually are, Um, which is good. Uh, It's at Meadowbank Stadium in Edinburgh. So if anyone listening to this is in Edinburgh or wants to travel through or can travel through, I will be there, hopefully. Although I'm a bit... um, Worried that it's going to be the last time I was in Edinburgh to watch football. It was the Spartans game midweek when it was like icy sideways rain. And looking at the weather forecast, I think we're going to have more icy sideways rain. <laughs> Will it not also be is that a clash with the the big rugby fixture in Edinburgh? Uh, do you know I do not pay any attention to rugby, so yeah, you'll you have to tell me that. <laughs> is it travel? Um, it's my parents live in Edinburgh, so it makes things a little bit easier. Shall I have a cup of tea, try yeah. form later? Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's that's the last game before the split. Then the fixtures will come out of who we're going to be playing after that, which will be exciting, a whole new set of football to play. I'm actually, I think by that point, I just want to get this done now. I just want to get this weekend kind of, I feel like in like over with and go, right, take a breath, start again. Maybe some of our players are going to start to come back, the ones that are injured as well. But yeah, it wasn't an ideal weekend, was it, Lorenzo? No, but that is the nature of, you know, being if you're involved in these games, it means you're doing something right. Um, and you open yourself up to disappointment. Those, uh, those, among, yeah. those among us who didn't care as much about it, but were along for the ride, had a lovely afternoon. My mum and your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but the, yeah, it's, that's the thing. It's just like, it's a kind of positive frustration because we have such, you know, we know where we should be. Yeah. We know the league's there if we want it. You know, there's, this is as good a chance as we've had since we've been supporting Celtic. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It's a game that could have, that goal could have been our goal. It it really was a game that could have gone either way. Yeah. And that's the frustration that it didn't go our way, but it is what it is. And I'm sure that that this week, that is what Fran is saying to the players as well, and that they will be doing much thinking and analysis. Um Look forward to talking about the Hibs game with you and see what's happening next week, Lorenzo. Fingers crossed. Have, have <laughs> a lovely... A I think people are going to be listening game. to this on Thursday, but we're recording it on Tuesday, so I'll have a, say have a lovely rest of your week. Oh, thank you very much. You too. Um, and I'll speak to you very soon. He's been Lorenzo Pacitti. I've been Claire Wilde. And this has been the Celtic Women's Football Show. Mm-hmm.